open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. And again, we're so thankful you're here with us and gathered together to worship. And so we pray that God would encourage you this morning through his word, obviously. Uh, Mark chapter 7, we're going to look at um, uh, kind of an interesting passage, uh, one that maybe um, at the time it was spoken caused quite a bit of controversy, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I believe it's a passage that encourages us and encourages our minds and hearts and the things of Christ and lets us know who we really are in Christ, which is always a great reminder to remind ourselves who we are in Christ, to remind ourselves who Christ is in us and who we are in him. And so I encourage you this morning, I pray that you would allow God to speak to your heart and mind this morning. Uh, Mark chapter 7, we're going to read just a few verses here, uh, verses 14 through 23 in just a few minutes. Um, But what you're going to see here is, an interesting dialogue, an interesting conversation that takes place. And so in Mark chapter 7, we're going to look at that in a minute. But before we get there, I want to ask a question this morning that kind of sets up the talk. What makes us spiritually unclean? What makes us spiritually unclean? And then the next question would be, how are we cleansed or made clean? How are we cleansed or made clean. These questions are addressed in various ways in different major world religions. Um, every major world religion deals with these two basic questions. How are we, or what has caused us to be spiritually unclean? And then how are we cleansed from that uncleanness? From Hinduism to Judaism, Islam, they all these major world religions deal with the idea of ritual purification or washing as a vital aspect of purifying ourselves before a holy God. So every major world religion deals with this idea of, okay, we we are unclean, we need to be made clean, made cleansed, or washed, and so how do we do that? And all of these major world religions deal with this to some degree or another. Uh, For example, in Hinduism, which again is kind of an Eastern religion, in Hinduism, they see the body being cleansed through physical washing. The internal organ is washed by truthfulness, the soul by sacred learning, and the intellect by true knowledge. And so here we see in Hinduism as an example of this, they not only address that we need to be cleansed, they also address that different parts of our body are cleansed in different ways from the physical to the internal organ, which I guess would be the heart is what I kind of take that to mean. Uh, The soul, the mind, all these things need to be cleansed in somewhat different ways. And yet in all these religions, it often is talked about that the, the cleaning or the cleansing needs to take place over and over again. There's this idea of repetition to the cleansing. I find it interesting that ritual cleansing applies to different parts of us in different ways. In these other world religions or other major belief systems, it's not a once and done type cleansing. It's this idea of a continual cleansing. Also, many of these cleansings must be repeated again, over and over again. There are two clear truths from these major religions and what they teach us about this. The first is we are all unclean. If every major world religion, if Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, and even Christianity addresses this, if we all understand that they all say we're unclean, we we have an uncleanness we need to deal with, 
then they all begin to unpack how do we take care of this problem? How do we cleanse ourselves? Or how do we encourage other people to be cleansed? Only, obviously, in Christianity do we see what I believe is the accurate and true answer according to the Word of God. So the first thing we have to note is all these religions show us that we are unclean. We start unclean. But secondly, we also understand that every one of them addresses the issue that we must be cleansed to go before God. We must be cleansed before, before we go to God or to do the work of God. So every major religion deals with we are unclean. We all battle with uncleanness. We need to be cleansed before we go to God. And then once we're cleansed, we're able to do the work of God for him. Christ speaks to this reality and says very clearly uh, what the solution is and what the answer to these questions are. And honestly, he speaks to it to an entirely different way. Not focusing on external washing or external cleansing, but primarily focusing on internal cleansing of the heart. Not on levels of cleansing, but on a one-time act that cleanses us fully, allowing us to go before God and serve him in this world. And so look at Mark chapter 7 and verse 14. We're going to go ahead and read the whole passage, and then we're going to kind of break it up as we go back through. So Mark chapter 7 and verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are that they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house of the people, his disciples asked him concerning this, the parable. And he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drop, purging all meats. And he said, that which comes out of the man that defileth the man. From, uh, for from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Let's pray. Father... We pray that you would give us wisdom in the reading of your word. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds again to what you have for us. We pray that we would see these things as truth and that we would honestly, Lord, have spiritual ears to hear them. And that we would allow you to apply these truths to our lives, that we could be encouraged and reminded of the amazing grace that you've extended to us. Father, we thank you for your love for us. And we pray that the reading of your word will glorify you, but also bless those that hear it. Father, again, move as only you can. Be with those who can't be here this morning for different reasons. I pray that they would be encouraged to, to spend time with you this morning and this week. And Father, again, we lift you up and we ask that you would be glorified. If anyone here doesn't know you as Savior, I pray they would come to know you before they leave this place. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus speaking here makes a very interesting point. Uh, he's really kind of stirring things up and causing a little bit of controversy among the religious. Jesus' point and his statement is that it's not the things that go into a man that defile him. It's what comes out of a man that defiles him. And so getting back to our kind of question here, how are we spiritually cleansed? 
If we acknowledge that we're all unclean, that we all need to be cleansed, how then are we spiritually cleansed? How does Jesus deal with this issue? Well, again, to understand that, we need to understand what actually defiles us. What is making us unclean? Jesus is pretty clear in Mark 7. It's not what goes into us that defiles us. Now, he's speaking specifically here of food or external things that we consume. Uh, This would be hard for the Jews in the audience to hear because the Jews have been taught that there's certain things we put in our bodies and there's certain things we don't put in our bodies. There's food that we can have and there's food that we cannot have. And Jesus is starting to lay a new foundation for this thing called the church. He's laying the groundwork for living under grace and the fulfilled work of Christ of the law. Christ is going to and is fulfilling the law. And so as he's doing that, he's laying a groundwork for the Jews and other individuals to understand that receiving Christ is about living in the fulfilled, finished work of the cross under grace, where we are no longer bound to these ceremonial or dietary laws that once the Jews were under. And so Jesus is laying the groundwork for that by unteaching and reteaching some new things. The truth is Peter needed to learn this lesson all the way over in Acts chapter 10. Peter has to learn, and he learned it well, that don't call unclean what God has called clean. And so the Jews are being taught this lesson by Christ here. Peter is taught this lesson basically in Acts chapter 10. God brings down this giant sheet, this uh, kind of a cloth with all these different animals on it. Uh, Some of them were unclean animals to the Jews, and God says to eat. Peter says, I can't eat. Those things are unclean. And God's amazing statement is, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And he was referencing the Gentiles. And he was saying, it's not about being a Jew and following the law anymore. It's about being under Christ. It's about receiving Christ as Savior. And so Jew or Gentile, bond or free, right, Greek or Roman, it doesn't matter. Anyone in Christ is now equal in Christ because we've all been cleansed. We've all been cleaned. And so what's not what goes in, it's what comes out. Look at Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23 again. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out. And he saith, that which comes out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the hearts of men, proceed all these things. Verse 23, and these evil things come from within that defile the man. See, the Jews were very externally minded. They were thinking more about religiously looking the parts. Uh, and we're not too much different than this in some ways, right? We tend to th- sometimes think more about the outside than the inside. Uh, this is why a lot of religions will talk about purifying the outside, but not really ever deal with the internal issues to actually be cleansed spiritually. And this is why Jesus talks to the religious leaders and says, you're like whitewashed tombs. Man, you look really good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside because you have no life in you. This is the whole message of Christ is that we can't clean ourselves up on the outside enough. We can't do enough on the outside to cleanse the inside. And Jesus is clear. It's the things that come from within that defile a man or a woman. It means our hearts, and the Bible teaches us this, doesn't it? Our hearts are deceitful, above all things, desperately wicked. In our natural state, our hearts are defiled. And what comes out of our heart is the fruit of the flesh. Selfishness and greed and lust and all these things. 
And we're defiled by these things. These things, by the way, when our hearts are corrupt and the fruit of our heart is coming forth, we will give into those things and that will defile us externally. And so you need to understand Jesus is saying it's not about what goes in. It's about what comes out. You see, sin originates in our hearts. James chapter 1 verse 14 makes it clear. It's of our own lust that we are enticed. You see, our own lust within us makes us responsible for the sin choices we commit. It makes us responsible. We can't blame others. We can't deflect onto others. Now, here's the truth. While others will tempt us, others will create opportunities or encourage us to sin, Others may uh, invite us into a sinful situation, and, and it's definitely the world is tempting us to sin. Others may tempt us to sin. Of course, we know our enemy, Satan, is, is tempting us and in trying to draw us away. And while all of that is true, the truth is when we give in to sin, we make a choice to give in to sin. Therefore, we're responsible for that choice. We can acknowledge that temptation's all around us, but ultimately we have to take responsibility and say, no, 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 it's my sin that has defiled me. It's my sin that has caused me to be unclean. So in the, the mindset of this reality, understanding this reality, this dynamic, that it's not what's outside here that defiles me, it's what's in here that defiles me, understanding that, and now that we know that we are unclean, and by the way, I've never met one single person that I've shared Christ with that had a hard time understanding that. Every single person I've ever shared Christ with, when you talk about the idea of being a sinner or committing sin or doing wrong things or sinning in some way, every single one totally admits I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes. I've sinned. Never had to convince too many people of that. Now, what they do struggle with and what all of us struggle with to some degree is the level at which that sin uh, is taken seriously. Uh, some people will say, well, yeah, I've made some mistakes, but not the big ones, right? I've done some things I shouldn't do, but not the big things. We kind of give this kind of uh, small, minor type sin, big, huge sin. And so the idea of being on or being defiled is not something really most people debate or don't understand. It's what we do with that now. What do we do with that, that sin issue? What do we do with that uncleanness? And so how are we cleansed? If, if we are all unclean, and we're all defiled from what's within, then how in the world can I possibly be cleansed from that kind of uncleanness? Well, the truth is, the only way we are cleansed is by the work of Christ and salvation. The only way we are cleansed is by the work of Christ in salvation. Go over to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 and verse 9. Acts chapter 15 and verse 9. It says this. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So, so this whole Acts 15 thing here, this is kind of a, a church meeting, a council meeting of church leaders. And they're trying to talk about this issue of the Gentiles and the Jews. And some Jews thought the Gentiles should follow the law after salvation. Some believe they didn't need to do those things that they, that, that believing Christ was enough. And so it comes before the church leadership and, and, and Peter and then them are here going, listen, we see what God is doing. We know that God is saving these Gentiles. Um, and so why would we burden them with these things? And so in this conversation, in all of this back and forth, I 
I love this statement in verse 9. And put no difference between us and them. Put no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. There's no difference anymore because we're all in Christ. And I love that statement. And then he says this, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, it's a simple little verse, but it's a powerful verse. And it gives us the answer to our question. How then am I cleansed from my defiled, sinful self? How am I made new? How am I washed internally? The answer is by faith. My heart is purified. I am purified by faith. And if that's true, we have to ask the question, what faith? Faith in what? What is the faith that's being spoken of here? Again, it's key to recognize just as we are responsible for our sin choices, Christ is responsible for the cleansing of our hearts. It's faith in Christ. Because I can't cleanse myself. We already talked about this. I can't do enough good things on the outside to change the inside. And so if I'm responsible for the defiled heart that goes within, I'm responsible for the sin that comes out, then how in the world am I cleansed? Well, I have to be cleansed by someone else that is without, that isn't the sinner cleansing the sinner, cleansing the heart. And how does that take place? By faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ. As I am responsible for my sin, he is responsible for my salvation. Now, I know we receive Christ, we choose Christ by salvation. What I mean is he does the work of cleansing. I don't save myself. I don't cleanse myself. I don't purify my own heart. I can't. Um, it's, in, it's incapable of me to do that. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 reminds us again more of this truth. Titus 3.5 says this, Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Not by works of righteousness. What's a work of righteousness? Someone, you can answer. Someone tell me, what's a work of righteousness? What do you think? What's a work of righteousness that we would put in place of that saving grace of Christ? We think I do this and it makes me righteous. Okay, going to church, absolutely. That, that would be kind of a work of righteousness. Is it, is it a good thing to go to church? Sure. But the going to church apart from Christ doesn't save me, doesn't cleanse my heart. What else might be a religious work that someone might put in place of that work of Christ and think, okay, but I'm, I'm doing this, so this is good enough. I'm being purified through this. Tithing, right? Absolutely. We'll take your tithe. You can give your tithe. We're all about that. I mean, you can just go ahead. We'll write the check. We'll cash it. We'll be good to go. But tithing in and of itself, right? And not even just tithing to the church. A lot of people think I give to charities, right? I do good things. I give to this to Red Cross, or I give to this group or that group or whatever. It's good and fine. And it's, it's great to give to those charities. I'm, I'm okay with giving the charities that, that you support and you believe that, that you believe are doing a great work. Maybe that aren't even intrinsically Christian. If you can validate that they're doing good things, I don't have a problem with that. We do blood drives for the Red Cross all the time here. We open up our buildings so people can come donate blood. I don't look at the Red Cross and go, okay, give me your doctrinal statement on these points of theology. No, they're doing a great thing. We can partner with that. I don't have to believe and agree with everything they're doing to say, yeah, we'll come do some, a blood donation. So maybe you give to those things. That's great. But man, apart from Christ, those things aren't going to save you. You can't give enough tithe. You can't give enough to charity. You can't be generous enough. Going to church, 
giving a tithe check. If we're being honest, praying apart from Christ. There's a lot of people I know who are very religious. And my stepdad, before he came to know Christ, grew up very staunch Catholic. Nothing against Catholics. It's just what he was and what he grew up as. And he had a hard time reconciling this idea of a loving, gracious God with the people he saw in church. And the show that it was and all the hypocrisy that he saw. But I remember we talked way before he was saved. And he said, when I was talking about being saved, he said, I pray all the time. He said, I pray every day. And I said, what do you mean you pray every day? And he pulls out this little card that has a little picture of some, somebody that died a long time ago on it. He said, I pray this prayer every day. And then it was some saint prayer. And then on the back was like the Lord's prayer or what we call the Lord's prayer. It's really the model prayer. And I remember thinking that blew me away as a young believer. Like, well, wait, but you don't know Christ. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Who are you praying to? What are you praying about? And I remember that confused me for a long time. But I think there's a lot of people that don't know Christ, but that they go to church. They grew up in church. They know the prayers. They say the prayers and they think somehow that that's going to be good enough. The reality is, and we said this before, God is in tune to the prayer of our hearts in Christ. It is a gift to the believer to pray before our Father and lay our request before him. And so through Christ, we have that relationship. Now, does God hear the prayers of sinners and those that don't know Christ? He, of course, hears them, but not in the way he hears the prayers of his children. And man, the most amazing prayer a sinner can pray is the prayer of repentance unto salvation and say, I receive Christ as my Savior. That's the prayer that God is desiring to hear from the unbeliever. But a lot of people that don't know Christ, they pray, they go to church, they do good things. But Titus is pretty clear here. He says this again, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Did you hear that? Man, we needed his mercy. Amen. I, I, I was lost and undone. I am lost and undone without his mercy. I need his mercy and grace. It says, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing the Holy Ghost. By the washing of regeneration, that washing, that cleansing that comes. How am I washed and cleansed of my broken, defiled, sinful heart? Not by works of righteousness that I have done, but by his mercy, he saved us and then he washed us and he cleanses us. He regenerates us. You know what that means? He restores us. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit to equip us to do the work of the things of God. You see, it is the washing, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It is all the work of God giving these things to us as an act of mercy. See, he cleanses us. We receive his cleansing. We receive the, the message of the gospel. We make a choice to say, I believe and I receive the gospel of Jesus Christ because I'm a sinner and I know I'm unclean. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. We make that choice. But don't ever think it's you cleansing yourself. When we receive that gift of salvation, we are not doing anything other than just receiving what he's already done. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the works of righteousness, we forget that. We're saved. We know Christ. But we forget that it was him that cleansed us. So we are cleansed by the work of Christ in salvation. Faith in the gift of Christ unto salvation through the washing 
of the word of God. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, an awesome verse too in relation to this idea of cleansing and washing. How long are we cleansed for? How long are we cleansed for? So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. I love this idea here that we're cleansed by faith through the gift of Christ and salvation. By his mercy, he washed us. We receive that gift of salvation. We receive that cleansing. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. We have been washed and cleansed for eternity. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. It says here that he might sanctify and cleanse it. What's the it? It's the church, the body of Christ. With the washing, uh, with the washing of water by the word. So there's that idea of washing and cleansing again by the word of God. Isn't it amazing that it's the word of God that we find salvation? Right? Did you come up with salvation on your own? Did you just go, you know what? I think God would do this. I think God would send his son. I think that person would then take on flesh. I think that person would then live a sinless life, performing miracles and showing and validating that he is truly God, the son of God. I think that person would then go to a cross, be nailed to a cross, die on that cross, be buried in a ball tomb. I think that he would rise again the third day because that just makes sense to me. And then I think he would ascend into heaven and be seated on the right hand of the throne of the Father. That's what I think salvation is. And so I don't really need this book to tell me. I just have all that. I just came up with all that myself. Of course we know that's silliness. Isn't it amazing that most religions that start when we believe they start among people, it's our ideas. Usually the God looks much more like us than he does a God. Isn't that funny? We make gods that are more palatable, that are more understanding, that are more approachable, that can be kind of manipulated. This is why you see this in a lot of tribal religions, very manipulative type things with the demons and the gods and all this. But isn't it amazing when you read the word of God, you find a God that isn't anything like us. A God who's actually the opposite of us and a God who calls us to be like him and that isn't willing to be like us in the sense of he doesn't demean himself to our level. He gives us his Holy Spirit through salvation to bring us to his level. To say, no, no, I want you with me. This is a problem for a lot of people because we want God to be down here with us. We don't like God saying things like, this is what I actually command of you. This is what I ask of you. We don't like that Jesus says there's only one way to the Father and it's through Christ. That wouldn't be a God we would create. We would make a God that is, has a way for everyone to get there sooner or later. And so when you see this and understand this, when it says that he washes us, it's the word of God that reveals that to our hearts and minds by the working of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we should honestly be so thankful for the word of God every single day because it is the knowledge of God given to us that we might know him, be known of him through salvation and make him known. So Ephesians 5, 26 says here that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, so key, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. How long are we cleansed for in Christ for eternity? He cleanses us. He will keep us cleansed and he will keep us washed until he presents us to himself. We have been washed to be presented. We have been washed to be presented. Think of it as getting ready to go somewhere. You clean up to present yourself to those that you're going to see. 
Here we see Christ has cleansed us to present us to himself. And I love that it says without spot or wrinkle, meaning nothing that would defile us before him. This is an internal cleansing. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. In the flesh, I have spots. I have wrinkles. In human, in human understanding, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Somebody just laughed at that. Some, not a wrinkle like a wrinkle, like a wrinkle like this kind of wrinkle. I do have some of those, but not as many as some. But anyway, when you see that, I wasn't pointing at anyone. I wasn't thinking about anyone. I'm just saying. We're, we're cleansed internally this side of heaven, but we still have this flesh. And so listen, I understand when you hear that, without spot or wrinkle, no blemish, holy, we don't see ourselves that way. Because we know ourselves. We know our weaknesses. We know our limitations. We know our habits. We know our problems. And so I want to read that because I want us to realize that's how God sees you. He sees you as cleansed, as washed, as holy. And one day we'll be presented to Christ, a glorious church. And when we are presented, guess who receives all the glory that we are cleansed and clean in this glorious church? We don't receive the glory. He receives the glory because he did the cleansing. He did the washing. Even the idea of him giving the knowledge of that through his word is to his glory because he revealed his word to us. He made that choice. He will keep us cleansed until we are presented before him. We don't have to worry about losing our salvation. We don't have to worry about losing that cleansing. He says, I did this so that I will present you before me, a glorious church. Therefore, we are kept clean until we are presented. However, while it is true we are cleansed internally by Christ, once and done, the minute we receive Christ, we're cleansed. Because we live in a fallen world and in the flesh, we can or may give in to sinful decisions. This is where we need to daily receive cleansing to restore the intimacy of the relationship. This is what 1 John 1, 9 is describing to the believer when it says, confess your sin to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. This is not a level of cleansing to keep us in Christ. It is the practical cleansing because we are in Christ to live in a way that honors Christ in this life. In 2 Timothy 2, 21, we see this, that if we, we have an idea of in this world, we, we choose to cleanse ourselves of the things of this world. We purify ourselves of the things of this world. It's not the place of salvation. It's because we've been saved. God has given us the ability to now be daily cleansed in that daily washing. And so I want you to understand that. It's not saying we need to do this to keep our salvation. It's saying as a follower of Christ, living in a fallen world, we need to daily say, Lord, forgive me for this sin. Forgive me for that sin. Not to be saved again but so that our, our intimacy and the relationship will be restored. It, it's kind of like washing your hands, right? Like you might take a shower in the morning and you're cleansed, but through the course of a day, you might wash your hands more than a couple times just to get that daily junk off your hands. It's kind of what we're talking about here. We're totally cleansed, completely washed before Christ is holy and spotless. But in this life, we need to have that daily hand-washing, if you will, that daily cleansing, so that we can maintain our intimacy in the relationship. And again, let's not forget this. The only reason we can do that is because God is gracious to us, because God gives us that influence by the Holy Spirit to remind us and show us those things in our lives. So if you receive Christ as your Savior, you are cleansed from all your sin. You and I cannot wash away our sin. Christ has already done that for you by faith through the Word. 
through grace. You receive that salvation. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Christ. It is the shedding of his blood. It is the remission of sins. It's the death on the cross. It's the burial. It's the resurrection. He washed away my sin. And now I stand cleansed before him, desiring to please him in all things. Not perfect, but desiring to please him in all things. And so however God is speaking to you this morning, I pray that you would leave your encouraged to know that you are cleansed and God one day will look at you and say, you are his glorious church. Not for what you have done, for what he has done for his glory. And let's rejoice in that, knowing who we are in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that reveals to us the truth of all that we've talked about. And I pray, Lord, that as we think on these things, that you would be glorified above all else. Lord, that we would realize that we could not clean ourselves. We could not wash our own hearts. We needed you. And you and your great mercy came unto us, did all that was required so that we might have a savior, that we might receive the gospel. And that in so doing, we have been washed from our sin. Lord, we've been internally cleansed for your glory. It's not works of righteousness that we have done, but what you have done by your mercy and grace to offer us salvation. But Father, for those that have received Christ as their Savior, we live in a fallen world. We still have this flesh. We're still temptable, and we still may or could give in to a sinful choice. And I pray, Lord, that when that happens, that we would wash our hands, that we would ask for that forgiveness, not to gain again our salvation, but to gain again that relationship, that intimacy, that you would be glorified and that we would know you more and make you known. And so, Father, thank you for doing what only you can do. Thank you for making us new creatures and that you have given us a great calling to live in a way that makes a difference for you in this world. Father, we lift you up this morning and we pray that you would affirm these things in our hearts and minds. And all that you're doing, may we respond to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you stand to your feet for just a few moments here, we're going to have a time of invitation. Just really a time for you to respond, whether they're in your seats or whether you want to come and pray. Um, as we sing this song together, whatever God is doing, however he's encouraging you, I pray that you would respond to him. And if you don't know Christ, maybe you'd receive him this morning, believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. It's not what we do for him, it's what he's done for us. Let's receive that salvation and live in a way that honors him.